Welcome everyone to this Rohatsu Sashin 2020 in the time of COVID. Thank you for coming together to practice together this afternoon or this evening or in Europe at midnight, perhaps. Thank you. On the great road of Buddha ancestors, there is always unsurpassable practice, continuous and sustained. It forms the circle of the way and is never cut off. Between aspiration, practice, and enlightenment, and nirvana, there is not a moment's gap. Continuous practice is the circle of the way. This being so, continuous practice is unstained, not forced by you or others. The power of this continuous practice confirms you as well as others. It means your practice affects the entire earth and the entire sky in the ten directions, although not noticed by others or by yourself. It is so. Accordingly, by the continuous practice of all Buddhas and ancestors, your practice is actualized and your great road opens up. By your continuous practice, the continuous practice of all Buddhas is actualized and the great road of all Buddhas opens up. Your continuous practice creates the circle of the way. By this practice, Buddha ancestors abide as Buddha, non-abide as Buddha, have Buddha mind, and attain Buddha without cutting off. This is from our study text for this Ango three-month intensive practice period. It's called Gyoji, Continuous Practice. It was written by Zen Master Dogen, continued, uh, considered one of the founders of the Soto Zen School. In 1242, the complete title is Gyoji Dokan. The word Gyoji is composed of two kanji, two Chinese syllables, Gyo, which means Buddha, and practice, Gyo, and Ji, which means preservation and maintenance. So to preserve and maintain the practice of the Buddhas. Here at the monastery, we have a head of maintenance, which rotates depending on people's skill and length of time here. We have a head of maintenance, but actually we are all maintenance people. All people who practice are maintenance people. We are head of our own maintenance, the maintenance of our body, heart, and mind and the maintenance of the Buddha way. So the complete title is Gyoji Dokan, Buddha and Practice and Preservation and Maintenance. Dokan means a Buddha way, and Kan originally meant a ring-shaped jewel. So you can imagine a, a jewel cut into a ring, like a jade ring, or another jewel cut into a ring. And it has the implication that the Buddha way is continuously and endlessly revolving 
Around what? Around emptiness. Interesting. We have been chanting excerpts of this fascicle of Dogen Zenji's writing each day, as we will be doing during this session too. Continuous practice is studied not only in the text, which is a rather long text and contains many stories of different Buddha ancestors, but continuous practice is studied in each moment of our life. During session, we can pay attention to this. We join together and we support each other in remembering continuous practice. Especially during session, when we have some space around the events in our life, that space allows us to ask ourselves periodically, how can I practice now? How can I practice now? Am I eating on automatic pilot? And am I ignoring the tastes and changing textures in my mouth while my mind is many, many miles or many years away? Am I washing my hands on autopilot? My hands are taking care of me. They're doing the washing, but my mind is roaming, roaming around trying to rearrange the past or imagining a future to come when all my suffering is ended and I will be happy ever after. So we have to notice these moments. A crucial aspect of continuous practice is recollection, or noticing, remembering. In the Theravada tradition, it's called recollecting. Noticing that I'm not present. Remembering to pick up the mind and place it firmly in awareness of now. Sometimes people say, well, we're always aware. Of course we're always aware. But when we practice, we're also aware that there are degrees of awareness and there are degrees of spacing out when we're not very aware. The body offers many Dharma gates to help us open into the rich experience of now. Some of the most reliable gates are placing our awareness in our hands. Hogan often emphasizes this. You can always place your awareness in your hands, which will bring you into this moment. The many sensations of touch, temperature, light and firm pressure, tingling in our hands. So try that for a moment, placing your awareness in your hands, wherever your hands are placed. Staying with the changing sensations. Or the feet especially if the mind insists on talking, move your awareness as far 
from the perceived location of me, which we usually perceive as up here somewhere, as far away from that as possible. Move it to the to your feet. So now move your awareness to your feet. Some stronger touches, some lighter touches, pressure, contact with other surfaces, areas that are warm or cool. Again, that tingling, the aliveness of our body. Or, and you can try this, move your awareness to your nostrils. A very delicate, refined awareness of the breath flowing in and out of the nostrils. Perhaps a sensation of dryness or moisture, changing temperature, subtle. Some people include the upper lip, the sensations on the upper lip. All of these are wonderful practices and can help us learn concentration, which is essential. The first quality mentioned by the Buddha when he talked about how he had trained his mind. Concentration at first is a matter of bringing the mind back, bringing the mind back, bringing the mind back, and holding it. There's a sense of holding. But be careful not to furrow the brow and make the mouth Look grim. It's delightful to develop our concentration practice with a firm holding, but a holding like you would hold a restless puppy. Gentle, kind holding of the mind. Here, stay, stay. But continuous. Our body is our trusted friend. It never wanders away from the present moment and can always guide us back from our reveries. I mentioned this morning during the morning meditation not to evaluate, but to just return. Evaluation is just more mind activity. It takes us away from pure concentration and our main work in the first few days of session, no matter how long we've been practicing, is assisting the mind in settling. And evaluation often ends up in finding fault in ourselves, and that's not helpful either. Would you hire a meditation coach who was negative and fault-finding? No, of course we wouldn't. Well, don't let such a one speak up from inside. Switch to a positive, encouraging inner meditation coach. Well, we were pretty much asleep this period, 
but let's walk vigorously during kinhin or stretch during the break and bring more energy into the next period. So there's a difference between evaluation and checking. One of our teachers, Dan Brown, talks about checking. Checking is fine. Check, am I present? And then adjust if needed and move on. Please let go of the big garbage bag of trash of the past. Don't drag it along with you. And that applies not only during meditation, periods during sashin, but during life. Don't drag it along with you as you step into the next moment and the next moment. That bag can grow into a very heavy, exhausting load. Our practice can free us of that load so we can step lightly through life. The present moment is so interesting. It is so interesting. So for a moment, try listening to sounds. Tuning your awareness to the obvious sounds without naming them. And then the more subtle sounds. And then listening between the sounds. Try smell, focusing on the sensation of smell. Is there even a subtle smell on the in-breath? Is it different from the smell on the out-breath? You can try this again when there are obvious smells, like when you're eating. Smell on the in-breath, inhale, what are the smells? On the exhale, what are the smells? Are they different? You can do this with temperatures, opening your awareness to the whole, the entire body. Can you find the place that is the coolest or the coldest? Now look for the warmest place in this body. Now the touches, beginning with all the touches on the surface of the body. How those touches change as you breathe. And then 
can you be aware of touches inside the body? Movement inside the body like the heart. Movement is only a series of touches. Now close your eyes and watch the colors and forms. How they appear and disappear, change, flow. Our practice cultivates an ever more subtle awareness, which is an endlessly interesting awareness. We can sit for hours anywhere, even in prison, even in quarantine, even in a sickbed, and experience this miraculous play of sensations as they appear out of nothingness, manifest, change, and disappear. And then we can take the next step. We can watch how the sense of self assembles out of all of these phenomenon and investigate what is it that glues these phenomenon into a sense of self. Last night during our introductions, uh, when we were voicing our aspirations for Sashin, several people mentioned wanting to know themselves. I would like to know myself. That's excellent. That is exactly what our practice is. That is exactly what Dogen Zenji meant when he wrote, to study the Buddha way is to study the self to be deeply curious about this entity we so fiercely defend. And even the inner critic is trying to defend it in its own infantile way. To be deeply curious about this construction we call myself. The hours of Zazen in Sashin give us the chance to maintain our gaze on this apparent entity that we call myself to see its inner and outer workings. We have a friend who's a Kagyu teacher who defines the self as a process. So that would be something to investigate, watching this process. He calls it the process of defining and defending personal territory. Of course, in Buddhism, we don't take any teacher's pronouncements as true. We investigate them for ourselves. Can I observe the process of defining and defending personal territory? As I pick up a mug out of the dozens on the shelf or in our dish rack, and it becomes mine. Or maybe we have a chair or a favorite place to sit on the couch, or we have my side of the bed or a tub of ice cream in the freezer which is mine, or a parking spot that is mine. It's fascinating to watch. A 
On the great road of Buddha ancestors, there is always unsurpassable practice, continuous and sustained. How wonderful. It forms the circle of the way and is never cut off. Between aspiration, practice, and enlightenment, there is not a moment's gap. Continuous practice is the circle of the way. This being so, continuous practice is unstained, not forced by you or others. This means that you, sitting so earnestly at home, or sitting so earnestly here in the zendo, chanting together, listening to this talk, are the great road of the ancestors. Master Hung Zhur, who lived in the early 1100s, wrote, those who have descendants are called ancestors. You, sitting on your cushion or your chair, or even your couch or your bed, are both descendants and ancestors. You are the descendants of Shakyamuni Buddha and all the men and women who practiced so earnestly over the last 2,000, almost 600 years and handed this practice down to us. You are the ancestors who keep the great road opened so that generations in the future will have this wonderful practice to inspire and sustain them and they will surely need it. As they inherit the effects of today's wars, today's climate disruption, today's political craziness, and the work of ending the many inequities and injustices in our society. It is your earnest and your never perfect practice in this very moment that keeps the great road of the Buddhas and ancestors open perfectly and available perfectly for those who wish to practice tomorrow, a year from now, a hundred years from now, and 2,600 years from now. Please don't underestimate the power of your practice. Don't evaluate it, just do it. As I mentioned this morning, each sashin is like a voyage. I often think of us as all getting into a boat and launching off into the unknown, into the truth of the unknown. Into the realization of the fearful unknowableness of the past the fearful unknowableness of the future. The resting place of now that is constantly moving, moving faster than our attempts to pin it down, to hug it or to hate it. The resting place of now that is constantly moving, moving faster than our attempts to pin it down to hug it or to hate it? Do we have the courage to live in the now? Do we have the courage to let go of our clinging to some other place and time? Or equally important, to let go of our aversion 
to some other place and time. Who would we be without that favorite bedtime story of my life to read over and over again? Last night, someone mentioned that their aspiration is to investigate fear. Excellent. Right now, there are many things to be fearful or anxious about. Will I get COVID? Will I become an asymptomatic spreader and sicken or kill someone unintentionally? Will we enter a long-lasting worldwide, worldwide economic depression as this continues? What bad thing will happen with the transition in this country to a new president with its repercussions around the world? What will happen with hurricanes, flooding, rising sea levels, fires, and the destruction of our coral reefs? These are our many unusual sources of inner distress. Ajahn Amro is a Thai forest monk who's a good friend of ours, who lives in England now, so we don't see him as often as we would wish. And in a talk about fear, he turns things upside down. And he asks, are we afraid to live without fear? Are we afraid to live without fear? Or we could equally ask ourselves, are we afraid to live without a constant undercurrent of desire? Or are we afraid to live without an, a constant undercurrent of anger? Are we afraid to just live a simple, happy life, content in the amazing unfolding of the experience of now? Whoa, you can feel a tremor of fear, content. What about all the things that are happening in the world? Content doesn't mean inactive. It doesn't mean uncaring. It doesn't mean we don't reach out to help others who are not content or who need food or medical care. But we reach out from a healthy foundation. We reach out because the need has appeared before us not from reactivity. Reactivity which only spawns more reactivity. And again more, ricocheting throughout space and time forever. Reactivity which only spawns more reactivity. And again more, we can see it with the political scene in the U.S. right now so clearly. Reactivity, which only spawns more reactivity, and again more, and again more, ricocheting throughout space and time forever. Unless we stop it here. On the great road of the ancestors, there is always unsurpassable practice, continuous and sustained. It forms the circle of the way and is never cut off. Continuous practice is the circle of the way. Dogen Zenji often mentions the circle of the way. 
This is something to investigate. What does this mean, the circle of the way? One way we experience this circle is in the path of our practice. Some affliction comes up during session. We work on it. It seems to loosen and dissolve. And we feel like, ah, great, took care of that. We integrate our new awareness or our adjusted way of perceiving into our lives. But then, unexpectedly, during another session or during a class or apparently randomly, it comes up again. The practice says to us, ha, just checking. We think, oh no, not that old issue again. I thought I finished with that. But the second time it comes up, it is different. It has less power and more holes in it. And the third time it has less grab, less and less circling around. And if we stay with that circling, eventually, when it arises, we can smile at it and say, hello, old friend. Just the way the Buddha said to Mara when Mara was acting out the inner critic, with the Buddha, even after enlightenment, the Buddha said, oh, hello, Mara. Is that you? And Mara, sad and disappointed at being recognized, slinks away. Another way we experience the circle of the way is in the Kechmiyaku, the lineage chart that you copy when you have Jukai. It has Shakyamuni Buddha at the top, actually a circle before that representing the seven Buddhas of the past, or the many Buddhas of the past before Shakyamuni Buddha, and then a line extending down and curving through all the ancestors, Indian, Chinese, and Japanese, through some people we have read about, the sixth ancestor, through Dogen Zenji, through Maizumi Roshi's father, Bayan Hakujun, here in our lineage, and then through Maizumi Roshi to you. But the bloodline does not stop with you. It is continuous with space for who comes after you. So the line starts with the past seven Buddhas, through Shakyamuni Buddha, through all of the ancestors, all shapes, sizes, ages, temperaments, men, women, through you, and then circles back to the past seven Buddhas and Shakyamuni Buddha. It is continuous. It is the circle of the way. So Shakyamuni Buddha's practice affects you, and your practice affects Shakyamuni Buddha. Shakyamuni Buddha's practice confirms your Buddha nature, calls to you to recognize your Buddha nature, to live through your Buddha nature, your original nature, and your practice keeps Shakyamuni Buddha and the possibility of your descendants realizing their original Buddha nature alive. Dogen Zenji writes of this circle in this way, Accordingly, by the continuous practice of all Buddhas and ancestors, your practice is actualized, and the great road opens up. Your continuous practice creates the circle of the way. Your practice, no matter what your small judgmental mind says about it, continues the life of the Buddha and ancestors, the life 
stream of the Buddhas and ancestors, so their life effort has not disappeared. Your practice is the continuous emergence of Buddha nature manifesting within us, and it keeps the great road open up for others. Another way we can experience the circle of the way is the complete life of each moment. Kastanahashi, whose translation of Yoji we are using, says, The circle of the way means that every moment of practice is a circle, complete in itself. For Tanahashi-san, this is good news. He calls this good news. Every moment of practice is a circle complete in itself. The bad news is that we don't usually notice this, he says. (laughs) In some traditions, sitting in meditation is a means to an end. The end is enlightenment, and zazen is merely the means. Dogen Zenji's realization was that the practice has no end. Each moment is complete, a complete circle. Zazen is the embodiment of this completeness, this total satisfaction. Even when you don't feel it, even when you don't feel it, it is so. As you explore this myself, as you explore fear, as you explore letting go, as you explore this now, please remember Dogen Zenji's admonition. The power of your practice, including the power of your earnestly taking on the precepts, affects the entire earth and the entire sky in the ten directions. Even if it is not noticed by others or by yourself, it is so. Thank you very much for your earnest practice all of you here and all of you practicing remotely. Remote is kind of a weird word. You don't seem remote to us. You seem to be part of our circle. Your practice affects the entire earth and the entire sky in the ten directions, even if it is not noticed by others or by yourself. It is so. Thank you very much for your courage to step forward continually into the unknown.